Hey, everybody. It's the Charlie Kirk Show. Citizen Kane joins the program. We talk about the rise of independent media, um, a new story of something in front of the Supreme Court, and more. Uh, we also talk about Javier Malay, Bukele, and the international rise of the populists, where we could learn something. Email us, as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Get involved with Turning Point USA at tpusa.com. That is tpusa.com. And become a member at members.charliekirk.com. That is members.charliekirk.com. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Noble Gold Investments is the official gold sponsor of The Charlie Kirk Show a company that specializes in gold IRAs and physical delivery of precious metals. Learn how you could protect your wealth with Noble Gold Investments at noblegoldinvestments.com. That is noblegoldinvestments.com. It's where I buy all of my gold. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com. Citizen Kane joins us. Blake is also co-piloting throughout this hour. One of my favorite guests, favorite websites, citizenfreepress.com. Citizen Kane, welcome to the program. Thank you for defending me, by the way, in the last week. It's always good to have the Citizen Free Press Nation uh, having my back. So thank you for that. You are a, a patriot and a scholar. Uh, those, you know, can they get more patently obvious when the RNC is upset and seven unnamed sources go running to NBC? I hope I hope readers saw those stories in the stack. It, it, the knives were out for you, Charlie. It means you're being you're you're having success. Well, and if you didn't know the knives were out for me, it's okay because two separate publications both used the same headline that the knives were out for me. Um, so, Kane, love it. I visited. I actually checked. Uh, I visited Citizen Free Press forty eight times yesterday. I just keep on refreshing it. <laughs> and by the way, it's because you keep it so updated. You have a you found something noteworthy. This is breaking news, uh, Kane. What is this controversial January six obstruction charge that SCOTUS is going to hear? Walk us through it. Well, you know the case very well. It's one of the J six defendants. Um, he petitioned the Supreme Court, and Amy Howe on SCOTUS blog yesterday uh, gave an update. The Supreme Court agreed to hear oral arguments in Fisher versus the United States on April sixteenth. And why that's significant is, number one, that's two months from now before they even hear the case. This is that strange obstruction of an official proceeding charge that is supposed to relate to deletion of electronic records as it was first applied in the uh, in the Enron case 20 years ago. So the J6 prosecutors have twisted that charge, have 300. They have it against 300 different J6 defendants. And it also makes up two of the four charges against Trump. In the in the Jack Smith case. So everyone is paying attention to the immunity issue and whether the Supreme Court will issue a stay or what they will do with that ruling and how that will delay the Jack Smith trial. But they're sort of forgetting that if two of the four charges against Trump uh, are still to be decided by the Supreme Court, then there's no way that trial can begin until that decision comes. So it's an April 16th oral arguments, and Amy House said the decision would be due in late June. So as a last thought on that, 
Um, the Trump team hasn't brought this up in a filing because the case, the Judge Chutkin case, is essentially, you know, it's in it's delayed right now based on the immunity issue. So as soon as that immunity issue is decided, either positively or negatively for Trump, then they will be able to do a filing and say, not so fast, Jack Smith. You can't proceed on these other two charges because of the Supreme Court. So that that that's my nutshell. That's, that's super smart, Kane. And but Blake, I want you to chime in quick. That also this has delayed any motions too. Basically, it has frozen the entire move of the court. Is that right? Exactly. And it's all about is it actually going to go before the court before election? And a wild card By here. Way, can we is just say correct. how dysfunctional this is that we have election like. The, it shouldn't be anywhere near elections. This is so damaging. Yeah, well, you know, it's America, so it's always near an election, of course. Well, okay, but. fine. Sorry, continue. Interrupt. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just uh, traditionally the DOJ avoided advancing criminal stuff really close to an election. So one interesting facet of this is, and that will really, I think, twist how people react to this, is are we going to get, um, you know, in October, and normally the DOJ would stand back, stand down for this time, but is Jack Smith going to say, no, we need to ram this through as fast as we can. I want this finished by election day. We could see more norms get smashed up here. Kane, uh, the the significance good of this. Point. Yeah, Kane, do you want to riff on that? Uh, Blake did make a good point. What, just, well, just that I think that's a good point. I think that and that's perfectly stated. Norms get smashed. They, you know, they've shown us this year that they don't that they don't care about norms. So I wouldn't be surprised if they. If they try to start this trial in July or August. So, so Kane, you, you've really, you've analyzed the horizon well on all the lawfare stuff. The Fannie Willis is falling apart. That's the one that you and I were always really worried about. The Alvin Bragg one doesn't seem too concerning, except that they're going to add, you know, Donald Trump's name is going to change. It's no longer to be Donald Trump. It's going to be convicted felon Donald Trump. <laughs> it's going to be this, right. it's just kind of adding a new uh, intro to him. What, what, how are you thinking about the lawfare, especially politically? Do you think it's going to change up the state of the race? I don't, Charlie, and I'll tell you why, right? What is the big thing, the big ace in the pocket that leftist media has pulled out over the last two months? In every poll, they always say, hey, but we have this outlier poll that says 42% or 52% of Republicans would change their mind about Trump if he were convicted of a felony, right? Well, here's why I don't believe those polls. Those exact same polls existed 10 months ago and said 60 percent of Republicans would change their minds if Trump is indicted for a criminal charge. Right. So we had all those polls. Those were probably helping DeSantis back, you know, more than a year ago at this time. And what happened? Trump was indicted four times and his support went up. So I don't hold uh, politically. I'm not afraid of of a conviction. Because as you said, it's going to be, I mean, that's the whole Alvin Bragg case, right? Everyone has said you can't criminalize a, a, uh, a, uh, an election violation, right? It would, I mean, the FEC would normally handle, uh, all of these things. It's a misdemeanor at most and you can't turn it into a felony. But Judge Mershon is a corrupt judge in New York and Manhattan. And he's going to, you know, he doesn't seem to be putting up any roadblocks in front of the Alvin Bragg case. So they're most likely going to get a conviction. Now, as many have said, even, you know, Trump's enemy, John Bolton, said famously on CNN that this case has no chance on appeal. But politically, they're going to try to get that convicted felon. And then they're going to run poll after poll to see if it's really true that Trump has now suddenly lost a huge base of support. And 
Quick answer, he won't. There is no chance he's going to lose support for a conviction in the Alvin Bragg case. I'll, I'll stick with that. Yeah, so, so Kane, I, I think that Trump so far has been able to use this as a benefit. It's supercharged his campaign. It's made him more sympathetic, and it looks like the government is overreaching. The 14th Amendment case looks like he's going to be on the ballot. The E. Jean Carroll stuff still needs to be kind of sorted out. The Fannie Willis stuff, I think the Fannie Willis case in its current handling might win us the state of Georgia. I really do. I think it might win us the state of Georgia. Your thoughts, Kane? Well, he's already, I think I put up a poll yesterday. He's already up about six in Georgia, and there's no doubt. I mean, I, I was shocked at how, how objectively the Atlanta Journal-Constitution covered, covered the trial last week or the hearing last week. And I was stunned when they picked up the story and they put it on the front page this morning so quickly. So I, you know, look, if you've lost the AJC, you've, uh, you're losing. And I think, you know, they put a line in that story of, of, uh, that Judge Scott McAfee will have to decide whether to allow this evidence from the private investigator into trial. That's, you know, that's wish casting there. There is no chance that Scott McAfee can exclude this evidence. And I think this was the death knell. It's over. Fannie Willis and, and, and Nathan Wade are off that case. And they will have to look for a completely new set of prosecutors, which will require a delay. So I would go ahead and say there's no chance that case uh, even begins before the election. But I know you're a sports guy. March Madness is around the corner, right, which is a holy time for us. Right, Kane? I want you to lay the, the odds. What, what, what are the odds, Kane? Uh, what is the over-under of Trump, Haley, in South Carolina? Give us the over-under. You are Caesars Palace. The over-under on what? The, the, well, the difference? Margin. The, the mean, margin. How many, just the margin. I would go, look, they're going to have Democrats, right? They're going to have Democrats try to vote for Nikki. But I would say over-under. I would, if, if Vegas were offering 30, I would take it. Because I think it'll be, I think Trump will beat her by more would than Would you take 30? 30? If the line was 30, Blake. I don't, I don't think Nikki Haley is going to make the sweet 16. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> I, I know, but yeah, not... she, she won't even make, she would make the NIT bracket. Okay? Ooh, that's brutal. Not even the NIT. <laughs> no. Um, Gruesome. For those of you that know, Kane knows what I'm talking about. That's a true it. insult. Um, if, if it was 30 points, would I take the line? Ryan, would you take the line at 30 points? If it was, if it was a 30 point margin. Trump plus 30. I don't know. I, I'd have to think about that. In, in Nikki's That means state. I laid a good number. Yeah. No, I, that means I laid in that, a good, that, yeah, a good it, number. It, because That's right. If it was 20, I would take yeah. it. Let, let me just, it was 40, yeah. I'd back off. So I think you, you're an odds maker, Kane. You are an odds maker. Yeah, whatever. Hey, everybody. Charlie Kirk here. Mike Lindell and MyPillow employees want to thank my listeners for all your continued support. To thank you, they're having an overstock clearance sale right now for the best prices ever when you use promo code Kirk and you get free shipping on your entire order. Get 50% off the MyPillow 2.0 and the brand new flannel sheets that just arrived and won't last long. Get six-pack towel sets for only $29.98 and take advantage of the free shipping on larger items like mattresses and mattress toppers. The 100% made in USA on sale for as low as $99.99. Everything is on sale from the brand new kitchen towels that have the same technology as the bath towels that actually absorb dog beds, blankets, couch pillows, and so much more. To get the best specials ever, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-875-0425. Use promo code Kirk and get free shipping on your entire order. So call 800-875-0425 or go to MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. That is MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. I think so highly of Mike Lindell. He's a great patriot. He's a terrific person. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk.
Uh, web traffic is just going amazing for citizenfreepress.com. Speaking of which, I want to talk about how media has changed. So, Kane, you are thriving. How many staff do you have, Kane? Like one and a half? Yeah, I have someone who runs the Twitter feed, Spencer, and uh, another guy who runs the True Social and Getter feeds. These are guys who have been with me from the beginning, but that's it. I run the site on my own, which is not good. Okay, well, yeah, we got to talk about your health uh, offline, Kane. Because, but so, Kane, what's your web traffic again? I'm getting at this for a reason because you have a story on the stack I want to contrast this with. Your web traffic is what, 130 yeah. million visitors or something? We're doing 13 and a half to 14 million every day. Not visitors, but total page views. That's just incredible. And um, yeah. Well, you're doing something so, with one employee that Vice Media was not able to do. Vice Media is done. They plan to cut hundreds of jobs and stop publishing on its flagship website. Kane, what do you do that Vice doesn't? <laughs> I, it's the business models. Uh, you, I don't want to get too heavy into this because I could go for 10, 20 minutes on this, Charlie. I, I've been watching media. You know, I was in media right out of college originally, and I, I worked for CNN and Lou Dobbs, and I've just been paying attention forever. And one of the things I always noticed is that you have a huge number of, of websites that do the same story. And, and, and it happens at, you know, and so the problem is that when everyone wants to get into the media business, they essentially, it, they, tr they, they try to just sort of recreate what everyone else has done. They create a website that does 20, 25 important stories a day. But the problem is everyone, you know, many other websites are doing those same stories. And, and so they have high fixed costs with very expensive writers. So I knew from the beginning, I mean, obviously it's an aggregation site. So it's, you know, it's like I luck out just based on that choice because I don't really have to do any of the writing, though I did originally, I was doing 50 or 60 of my own stories every day. But but as an aggregation site, as long as you've got the stamina, I mean, you talked about visiting 48 times the other day, which is insane. And But the reason that you're able to do that is, I mean, it, that's also the bane of my existence, right? Because I know that people are coming every half hour. They're coming every 20 or 30 minutes. So I've got to have 10 or 15 stories every hour from nine in the morning until 1 a.m. So whatever. I, things could be worse. I don't uh, really just, have a right to complain. No, but just Kane, I, I mean, I, I brag on you. You're this bottom up grassroots hero that is doing web traffic and vice media who had George Soros backing it is like collapsing and falling apart. And here's the merry band. Of hundreds one. of millions. Yeah. And, and <laughs> hundreds of millions. The the look at the messenger the implosion of the messenger Jimmy Finkelstein did the exact same thing with the messenger he I mean they blew through five hundred million or maybe maybe it was fifty million but he th he blew through a huge amount of money just in six months and it seems as though no one thinks this out that these you know advertising isn't easy as you know and it, it it's not easy to keep a website going with advertising so you have to keep your costs as, as low as you possibly can and none I mean, of these look, entities please. seem to. You got to give the Joe Biden presidency credit. You have Vice, BuzzFeed, and HuffPost all basically dead in one presidency. <laughs> I mean, it's right. Just, I mean, if Trump all was president, sites, they'd all be like really popular. It's just amazing because they were all bound Hate up sites. with that zeitgeist of Web 2.0, Facebook, new social media, and then on top of that, being insanely anti-Trump. And they're not even going to outlive Donald Trump's political career. Not even close. Kane, uh, final thoughts on just the media landscape, 2024, other stories you have your uh, eyes on. Well, uh, 
first of all, you talked about the NCAA tournament. So I want to give a shout out to Northwestern, which is where I know you grew up in Evanston. I, I headed out of the CFP headquarters, the cave for about an hour a week ago and saw Northwestern just dominate the Hoosiers in assembly hall. So that's embarrassing. As for the media outlook, it's going to be continued shrinkage. The business models aren't working. Um, you know, you've got to figure out how to make it. If you're running a media organization, you've got to figure out how to make it with unpaid interns. It's the only way you can do it if you're going to write your own stories. Um, as for the Supreme Court, I want to add this really quick. Here's the thing. The Supreme Court could have avoided the, the Fisher case, right? That was just one of hundreds of cases that were that were put before them in December. But they really, really quickly granted cert in that case. And that should tell people something that should tell people that those two of four, that that the two obstruction of an official proceeding charges are going to be thrown out in that Trump case. And so I would like to direct people to, you know, pay close attention to that case. And uh, with that, I'll throw it back to you. Happy Friday to both of you. I will be visiting the website in 30 seconds, Kane, every 30 seconds. So the pressure is on (laughs) citizenfreepress.com. That is citizenfreepress.com. Thank you so much. For years, I've been talking about how our nation's public schools have been captured by progressive ideologues, especially true if you're a Christian family. For those of you uh, worried about the best educational path for your kids and grandkids, I want to tell you about how Turning Point Academy is working with the Herzog Foundation, how you at home can also benefit from it. They have an online publication called The Lion and also Making the Leap. The Herzog Foundation offers a wide range of advice and information for Christian parents to make the best education decisions for your kids. Go to HerzogFoundation.com. That is HerzogFoundation.com. So check it out right now, HerzogFoundation.com. Portions of The Charlie Kirk Show are brought to in part by the Stanley M. Herzog Foundation. That is HerzogFoundation.com. All right, really interesting, important story here. Uh, Joining us right now is Josie Glayback. Josie, welcome to the program. Uh, we're here to talk about Javier Malay, who amazingly was able to balance the budget. Tell us all about it. Sure. So Argentina had a 135% inflation rate. Um, they were a Pyrrhonist country with kind of socialist policies that all failed. Uh, Pyrrhonism is named for Juan Perón, who is essentially an anti-capitalist corporate, who essentially created this anti-capitalist uh, corporate model with a government middleman, but it's socialist adjacent. And as we know, countries that are socialist adjacent or socialist themselves, like Venezuela, always, always fail. And uh, they often collapse. In this case, though, Argentinians, they found a solution and they found it in anarcho-capitalist, libertarian-leaning man, Javier Malay. Um, and it, it really, it's much like our founding fathers, kind of his, his policies. And it's, it's really exciting. So he speaks about socialists scathingly in the same way like our founders spoke about King George. And uh, he wanted to cut off the head of the snake, which he did. So his policy positions were to cut spending through the cutting the ministries was the main way that he was going to do this. And that's essentially equivalent to cutting the Department of Education, the, the Department of Interior, you know, that that sort of stuff, which which he did. So within nine and a half weeks, he created a surplus in his budget, uh, which is just just incredible. So before Javier Malay took office, Argentina's inflation rate had been rising at about 16 percent a month, roughly. And Malay's plan was to devalue the peso 50 percent to kind of make it. Um, so, so their peso was issued by Argentina and Argentinian politicians. It wasn't backed by anything. So his goal was to 
decrease the value of the peso, devalue it by 50%, which he did. And this created, as he told Argentinians, it would create some kind of a little bit of backlash that would be temporary and create a little bit of poverty. So um, and there was a little bit of temporary fallout, but this is how you kind of have to quell triple digit inflation. So he's done that. He's created a surplus and, you know, the rest is history. I'm really excited to see how the rest of his administration goes. Yeah, that, that's that's really interesting. So is this popular with the Argentinian people so far, uh, what he is doing? Yes. Um, I had a tweet that went viral and was retweeted. I shouldn't say retweeted, reposted by Javier Malay himself. So I was getting feedback from Argentinians. I was getting feed, feedback from kind of everybody. And there are some Argent- Argentinians that still lean left and they're like, we're starving. And it's like, well, part of quelling this inflation was having to devalue the peso, which was going to make it a little bit harder to survive for a little bit. But, you know, you just voted in all these policies for 12 years or whatever that you've been you've been starving for 12 years, dude, you know. So um, so, of course, you know, there's some people who are unhappy just because they're always going to be unhappy because they're socialists and the capitalist policies working. Um, but most people are so happy with with the progress of this. They know they have a, a surplus. They know that they're going to be going towards the dollar. He's he's open to other monetary currencies like Bitcoin. Um, This is just a really exciting all around what's happening in Argentina. And it shows that, you know, if our government wanted to fix our stuff, they could. Yeah. I mean, uh, Blake, you have some thoughts on this, by the way, just speaking of silver, Argentina doesn't mean the silver country or something. Silverland. Argenti is silver in uh, Latin. It's just Argentina has incredible natural resources. Amazing, amazing uh, grass fed beef. I think the greatest on the planet. I mean, it's a lot like the United States. Huge amounts of land uh, was basically very lightly settled. They had their own Indian wars in about the same time we did. They had their own cowboy culture, a lot of cultural similarities. But and hundred years ago, they were one of the wealthiest. Countries. They were one of the richest countries in the world. There was a saying, "Rich as an Argentine," because you'd have these fabulously wealthy Argentine beef magnates traveling to Europe and living it up. It was almost like they were like the uh, Arab sheiks of their day. Wow! And they basically had this political moment. She mentioned uh, Juan Perón, Peronism, where they had the Perones. Uh, it was Juan Perón and his wife Evita. She has, uh, I believe, a musical about her. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Mm-hmm. A- Ava Peron. Whatever. But, yes. No, you might be And right. I think Avito is probably the nickname. Mm-hmm. And so Peronism is very complicated. If you try to read a summary of it, it like is really confusing. And but a lot of it was basically proto-wokeness. And they'll frame it sometimes as like right wing or left wing, or sometimes they'll kind of make it quasi-fascist. But what a lot of it was was it was this sort of socialist-esque stuff yes and really ever since that happened argentina's never been able to get it back together they are the first country to go from being a first world country to a third world country and the amazing thing is they've done it twice and (laughs) it's always just they embrace these bad economic policies and then they're stupid but they're popular and and good at soccer it's finally gotten bad enough that yeah they've hit the emergency button and they've elected basically the most extreme guy they possibly could and we'll see if it works. And the sad thing is, it'll probably work. And then in a decade, they'll say, but what if socialism could work this time? Yeah. So, so Josie, the, the war continues. The socialists are not calming down. They're going to go for Malay. And, but he seems to be determined. Tell us more. 
So I was actually going back and reading some of the comments when he was elected. They were calling him Argentina's Donald Trump. They were saying he's a populist, he's far right. And they were using trigger words, you know, far right, Donald Trump. And it's kind of like a bell for Pavlov's dog. So, you know, they say these things and they're like, oh my God, this is bad. Donald Trump, bad. Javier Malay, bad. And, you know, they lose their minds over, over this guy. But, you know, nine and a half weeks and there's a surplus of money in the country. So, <laughs> I mean... Is it is he really that bad? Are these things really that bad? You know, I mean, it all got memory hold pretty quick. I had to go back and find old articles to find this stuff again. But uh, they're really just not acknowledging it, or they're talking about, as I said earlier, the fact that poverty went up because of his policy. But that was that's how you quell the inflation. That was a natural. Yeah, he's he's kind of a wacky guy. He doesn't seem to care though. Meaning not care that mm-hmm. like there's not poverty, meaning he knows that it's going to require it's like taking your cough syrup medicine. You don't like it, but it's going to help. And it just seems as if he just knows that you're going to have to uh, embrace the haters. And so be it. Yes. And he's very, very vulgar. I was trying to find some quotes to read to you, but they're all written with with swears because that's how he speaks. Um, but, you know, it, it speaks to the normal people. It speaks to the people who are angry. Um, he was explaining the currency, how it's backed by politicians. And he's like, I'm just going to put it really simply. He's like, it's garbage. It's not even good enough for fertilizer. It's worth nothing. And, you know, obviously it was riddled with, with cuss words, but, um, he, and, and then before he got elected, he was showing what he was, how he was gonna, how he was going to do it. And he had a board up a whiteboard and it had all of these different, uh, ministries on it. And he went through and he took one. He's like, a and he'd take it and throw it down. He's like, even if they resist, um, he was going to get rid of their department. And they had ministries that we don't have. Like, I think there was like a, there were woke ministries mixed in there. I think there was like a ministry of the LGBTQ or something like that too. Like he really just abolished as much as he could, maybe like 90% of them. And I mean, maybe Blake, you will know, or Josie, does he have to go through a Congress equivalent to do this? Or is this some of this through executive power? He does. And they are holding up a lot of what he wanted to do. So even what he's doing now is a more moderate version. And he's used some emergency powers that he has. So this is definitely Argentina is not fixed yet. And in fact, their economy in the next six months is going to be really painful. It's a lot of crime, probably. Well, it's the classic, like, if you ignore a medical problem for, you know, five years, fixing it is going to be a lot harder than if you got it early. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 listen to this. Uh, Afuera, 139. Ministerio de Ciencia y Tecnología e Innovación. Afuera. Ministerio de Trabajo, Empleo y Seguridad Social. Afuera. Ministerio de Educación. Adoctrinamiento. Afuera. Ministerio de Transporte. Afuera. Ministerio de Salud. Afuera. Ministerio de Desarrollo Social. Afuera. Se acabó el curro de la política. ¡Viva la libertad, carajo! I mean, Josie, I can't imagine an American politician doing that. We're too addicted to big government. I can see Congressman Massey doing that. But maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah, right. I just, uh, you know, he terrible. should do it while yelling afuera in a Kentucky accent. Oh, it, it would just I mean, it, it is I something. Love that. So final takeaway, Josie, about a minute remaining. How can we apply this to American politics? I find it to be an inspiration. Yeah, um, I well, we need to have 
a president in there that does that. We need to have a Congress that won't hold up the president. Um, we just we need to vote in favor of ourselves, not in favor of um, how we feel um, to be able to get politicians who are liberty minded. Um, so the fact that Argentina's elected somebody, the fact that we're seeing what's happening, the fact that we are in chaos right now and people are looking to vote red when they've never voted red before in their lives, um, our economy, everything is is failing right now and everybody's struggling and feel it personally. So hopefully they make changes at the ballot box and we get somebody, in, you know, Donald Trump in there. Thank you so much, Josie. Great work. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and then also check out her spaces. It's Josie on TimCast.com. Uh, So check it out. Uh, Check out her spaces. Thanks so much, Josie. Thank you. So who would ever think that we'd be looking to a small Central American country for leadership at CPAC? uh, Mr. Bukele speak. Give us the background on this. I mean, the whole picture. I mean, so for 50 years, El Salvador, El Salvador was preposterously violent. You would have a whole country where the murder rate for the average year would be as bad as, you know, the worst neighborhood in St. Louis or Baltimore, just year in, year out. And it, it would fluctuate a bit, but it was always high. And in, I believe, 2019, they elected uh, Bukele. He was the mayor of San Salvador, the capital. And he came in and it was sort of interesting. He slow played it a little bit. He was just talking about, okay, we need to build up our security state. And According to claims, they'll claim that he negotiated a ceasefire with these gangs or was is working with them in some capacity. And what's interesting is it seems like he might have been doing the Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope strat where you, you know, let them lure them into a sense of security and then they, they kind of came down they angered them. them and they did kind of a killing spree. And in one day, they shot more than 20 people. Who did? Uh, the gangs did in El Salvador. And these are really awful gangs. They're not even drug cartels. It's it's the worst trashy extortion racket protection money stuff just they terrorize everyone and it's awful and so they do this stuff and they think the government is gonna you know cow be cowed like every other government has and instead he just announces a state of emergency which is still in place actually two years later and they just start rounding everyone up who's known to be in a gang and it's kind of easy to tell they have all these tattoos that make them quite identifiable and he arrests one percent of the entire Salvadoran population, no, come on. one in every hundred people, just grab them, take them away. And they just it's really amazing what they've done. They've done stuff that I think we would agree. We would actually not want a lot of this done in the U.S. because it is it's like Marshall really Ball. over the top. But when you're in a country, if when you have the murder rate of El Salvador, it's like you're in a war. You probably have a at, in the worst no, it's like years living in Chicago or it's worse than living in Ukraine. <laughs> And it was just so encompassing. Every part of their society was so bad. And he just said, no, this is not acceptable. You can't have all these other things. You can't – frankly, he's, he's like, we have to roll back due process. Due process is a privilege you can have when you're not in a state of war. And we think of that with actual wars. The habeas corpus was suspended during the Civil War. Exactly. Or just our rules of fire in you know a state of war is not the same as you know we don't arrest every single guy in the Taliban and like put them on trial before we decide you know, that you're allowed to shoot at them. And it was like that. And it was just this radical step. And so their murder rate went from one of the worst in the world to now it's lower than America's. Bukele at CPAC. It's pretty remarkable stuff. Play cut 138. The disease that had begun with mild symptoms got worse and worse. It became a cancer that seemed incurable. 
We are already seeing these symptoms in the United States. Big cities in decline, like Baltimore, Portland, New York, just to name a few. Places where crime and drugs have become, have become the daily norm, and even accepted and promoted by the government. And so, what does Soros have to do with all this? <sighs> he was pumping in money through like, oh, NGOs or something? Well, so Soros does this open societies thing that he does in every country where he funds his vision of an open society. And we've seen in the U.S. what that's like. It's always uh, be very soft on crime, be very indulgent of criminals because i guess deep down it's like if we aren't really indulgent of criminals then like hitler comes back Mm -hmm. and in reality it's the exact opposite the only way you'd ever get something like that is an enormous backlash to this sort of chaos and i think to bukele's credit he just said this is not how anyone wants to live in their country we are going to crack down on it and then once you do that you can have all the other nice parts of living in a free country it's just you cannot allow thug terrorist monsters to destroy everything el salvadorian citizens used to flee to america now the ms-13 gangs flee to america yeah the opposite and we let them all in of course oh yeah no and by the way that's why we're seeing our murder rate go up our rape rate go up our arson rate you know armed robbery break in Uh, the message has gone out to the entire planet that america is just it's a dumping ground it's a dumping ground it's open season just imagine what they must say on you know websites that are not in english where they say oh you can go to america just walk in they'll like let you in they'll give you asylum oh you can join this program in new york that gives you fifteen thousand dollars a year just say the right things no one's gonna check you don't need to pay taxes no one's actually checking that either and you can just commit crime after crime after crime rob people's homes the police are totally overmatched it's just it is like america's a giant we're like smog's treasure hoard in that hobbit movie that wasn't very good and everyone's grabbing their take. Blake, excellent work today. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Email us as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Thanks so much for listening and God bless. For more on many of these stories and news you can trust, go to charliekirk.com.